0: Hey church, I hope you are well. I hope uh, you enjoyed that time of worship and you were blessed. What a powerful service we've had so far. Those testimonies, the ministry time, uh, the the word of knowledge about healings and deliverance, such a powerful, powerful, uh, rich, rich, deep service. I truly believe that as you prepare your heart uh, to receive God's word today, my goodness, something awesome is going to happen in your life. Uh, God is going to, you're going to experience Uh, like Nash's testimony, you're going to experience the mind of Christ uh, beginning to communicate to you and tell you and uh, teach you to discern between the knowledge of good and evil and the will of God in your life. So the title of my message today is Rags or Robes, okay? Some of you have already seen the title on on YouTube and and you're wondering what this this means, but it's going to be awesome, so get ready for it, okay? So I'd love for you to open your Bibles uh, to Zechariah chapter 3. Uh, Zechariah chapter 3 and we'll read from verses 1 to 6 right now. I'm going to read from the, the ESV uh, version of the of the Bible because it just really explains this portion of Scripture a lot more better. Uh, verse 1 says this, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing At his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, say, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed in filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove those filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity from you and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And, And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. And so they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments and the angel of the Lord was standing by. Now this is a very powerful prophetic moment. Zachariah, is having a vision, and in this vision, he sees Joshua, the high priest over Israel. This is not Joshua um, uh, from Moses' time. Uh, this is Joshua, the high priest over Israel. Now you must understand that what God is teaching us in this moment. This is a messianic uh, vision. This is a, a a vision of Jesus to come. So Joshua, the high priest, is actually Jesus. In the new covenant is Jesus in the New Testament. Okay, this is Jesus now. The Bible calls Jesus the the great high priest. He's the he's the high priest over all who are submitted, who are in the kingdom of God. He is the he's the high priest who is in heaven, who offers his blood as a propitiation or a sacrifice for your sins. And so here we have Joshua now. Zechariah is having this vision and in this vision he sees joshua the high priest standing before an angel and it's very interesting that satan is standing next to him all right and satan over there is not just a person but the satan over there if you if you uh, translate if you look at the hebrew that word satan means adversary anyone who uh, who opposes you is an adversary and this adversary now has has an audience when the high priest is standing before God. He's standing before the angel, but he's also standing before God. And now Satan, the adversary, comes and he's accusing him. He's standing on his right side and he's accusing him. He's building a case against Joshua, the high priest, not anybody else, the high priest. The high priest is the high priest over Israel as a nation. Not just high priest over a temple, but high priest over Israel. And so, the, so you must understand, whatever happens to the high priest happens to Israel as a nation. Whatever happens to the high priest happens to Israel. So the high priest was a representative of Israel to God and was God's representative to Israel. And so we see now this high priest is standing before God and Satan now has something to accuse him. Accuse, he has something to bring an accusation against this high priest of God because of the garments he's wearing. I want you now to picture yourself as a high priest standing before God and Satan now standing there accusing you. He's accusing you not because of what he knows is happening on the inside of your heart but he's accusing you because of what he can see on your garments. And so the priest now is not having his priestly garments but he's having filthy garments. These garments have become dirty because of of just humanity. And so now Satan comes and accuses, he's building a case against this high priest and God you can, you can literally see now, this high priest is not even opening his mouth and defending his case against Satan. He just remains silent, but God answers Satan. And I want to read this portion again. He says, Satan is standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. This is powerful. Which means the Lord is someone who is in authority over your adversary. Someone who is in authority over your accuser. The the Lord doesn't look at what he is saying about Joshua the high priest. But according to the accusation, the Lord rebukes Satan. Just think about that right now. Think about how many people in your life have accusations against you. Think about, and those accusations may even be right. It may be true also that you have filthy garments because of things that you've done. But the Lord does not address you. He doesn't address Joshua the high priest. He addresses your accuser. This is powerful. He addresses the one who brings an accusation Against you and the, and the address that God gives against your accuser is a rebuke. he's not even he's not even listening to his accusation. he's rebuking him. I prophesy right now that every single person who has an accusation against you, whether it is right or wrong, whether it is true or false, the Lord rebuke your accuser. He's this powerful judge and so we see now that the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem? Rebuke you. This is this is a powerful moment that is happening in Joshua the high priest's life, and so the the verse goes on to say that the Lord talks. He's talking to Satan, and he says, "Is this not a brand that is plucked out from the fire?" That word "brand" is actually used. Uh, is actually the term that is used for a a high priest. Who used to poke the fire, the coals that, that used to burn in the temple, the, the coals that used to burn on the sacrifice, the altar of sacrifice, he used to take a wooden stick and he used to poke it so that the fire continues to burn. And he's saying, God is saying, Hey, listen, my high priest is that stick. Is that is that brand that I take and I and I poke the fire and I cause that fire to burn? And he's saying, Is this high priest not that brand of fire, that brand? that is plucked out of the fire. It's amazing that you must understand how God has chosen you. What God sees you as. What God sees Joshua the high priest. What God sees Jesus. And where God sees you. I want you to understand that there is a a sort of a, a symmetry between these two people. Joshua, Jesus and also you. If you can imagine A high priest who is chosen by God lives his life to the best of his ability trying to fulfill the righteousness of God. This is the old covenant. Trying to fulfill the righteousness of God. Keeping every single law. Keeping every single requirement but still stands before God with filthy garments. Wow, come on. He's the high priest. He is the cream of the crop. He is the best of the best of Israel. He is the one chosen by God, but he still has filthy garments. He still has rags on. And so God now is in a moment of judging. And you must understand that the mind of Christ, God is has a mind that is very judicious. He is fair, like I spoke last week. He's a fair God. He's the one who chose the high priest you must understand the guy satan has your adversary your accuser has a legal case against you it is your fault and he's brought you to god now and he's saying hey, god look this is the case against this person it must tell you that satan that adversary even though he has a legal case against you, cannot touch your life without God's permission. And we're talking about Old Testament now. This is not even New Testament yet. But it is a prophetic vision. It's a prophetic word. It's a prophetic declaration of what Jesus was going to do on our behalf. What Jesus was going to do and then what Jesus was going to do as you. It was literally you are standing before God and Satan is accusing you now. But he looks at your garments, ladies and gentlemen. He looks at the choices you make. He looks at the the mindset, the, the, the mind that you operate from. And those things that you do stains your garments. See, Satan cannot read your mind. But he can look at your garments and know that you've made a mistake. And then Joshua standing before the angel clothed in filthy garments, is not even voicing or asking God for forgiveness or even pleading his case. But God is the one who pleads Joshua's case. God is the one who pleads Jesus' case. God is the one who pleaded your case. And a a lot of people, you know, have, have gone to God and said, God, this person is accusing me. This person, that I did not do this. I did not do this. I'm innocent, God. I'm innocent, God. Bless me, bless me, bless me. But actually, if you look at Joshua, he was quiet. When people accused him, when Satan accused him, he was quiet. When people, when Jesus was about to be crucified, they, they asked him the question, are you the king of the Jews? They kept pressing him. But Jesus remained quiet he did not defend himself why because he knows his father is a righteous and a judicious judge he's a righteous judge that judges judiciously he judges according to fairness you must understand this thing the stick that they used to put in the fire who chose to use that stick God did who chose the high priest God did who who is dealing with the with the sin issues of the people? God chose the high priest to do that. So if the man, if the high priest who's dealing with fallen humanity is constantly touching this fallen humanity, the sin of the people will come upon the high priest. You must understand Jesus now how he took the sin of the world upon himself. And so because of that, now Satan has come and he's bought an accusation. But God knows you better than Satan knows you. God knows your situation better than your adversary knows what is happening around you. Your adversary just looks on the outside and sees the mistakes that you've made. But God knows the circumstances that you were born in. God knows the country that you were born in. God knows how much of money your parents did not have. God knows the circumstances, the situations. Everything that has caused you to become who you are today and the mistakes that you've made, God knows it and He's taken it into consideration and He judges fairly. He doesn't look at you. Hey, listen, you must understand. You and I did not choose to fall in sin. Sin, when we were born, I didn't wake up one day coming out of my mother's womb and decide I'm going to sin. No, ladies and gentlemen. There was one person who sinned. And because of his sin, because of their sin, in the beginning, the whole human race sinned. You must understand, sin entered into the human race because of the first Adam. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't my father's and mother's fault. It wasn't my great-grandfather's fault. It, It wasn't must understand what judiciousness means. What does it mean to judge righteously? Jesus says, listen, I don't even judge according to what I see. I judge according to, this is John 5, I judge according to what I hear the Father say. I judge according to His will, not even my will. To judge righteously means that you and I choose to let go Of what we think sin is. We have to let go of what we think God has decided sin to be. We've got to let go of our bad experiences before we judge other people. Before we're judicious. Fairness means that you have to step into the mind God, You have to step into the will of God. You've got to see people how God sees them before you judge them. Because if you don't judge them according to the mind of Christ, you don't judge them according to the, if you don't judge situations and circumstances according to the will of the Father, ladies and gentlemen, we will be judging wrongly we will be judging according to the knowledge of good and evil and that judgment causes the measure of judgment to come upon us itself. See, you must understand that when Joshua the high priest was standing before the angel, verse 4 says that the angel said to those who are standing before him, remove his filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I've taken your iniquity away from you And I will clothe you with pure vestments. That word pure vestments over there means I'm going to give you a new robe. I'm going to give you new garments. I'm going to give you a robe. That robe, ladies and gentlemen, is the robe of righteousness. And I said, let him put a clean turban upon his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. This is powerful. This is powerful because even though the man is guilty, even though the case is set, even though the accusations are true, his clothes are dirty. But the Lord decides to rebuke the accuser and, and also remove the garments. What does he what does it mean by removing these garments? What it means is he's removing the very thing that the Satan has on your life. The very proof that Satan has on your life. The very evidence that Satan has over your life. The very thing that people are accusing you of. The very thing that Satan is accusing you of. That very thing he removes. You must understand how God functions. We think that we can go to God and accuse people of doing things. The way it works in grace is if you go to God with an accusation against someone based on the knowledge of good and evil, God ignores it. He rebukes you. But at the same time, the very thing that you say about somebody else, the same accusation, God now removes that accusation so that there is no case against that person. This is how God judges judiciously in the new covenant. This is how He judges. This is how He removes, when we go before God, we don't even have to ask Him for forgiveness. He is not even waiting for you to to, um, come before Him and plead your case. He already knows the circumstances and the situations that have surrounded you and why you made those decisions that you made. And based on that, he removes your iniquity from you and He gives you a new robe. I want you to go to Genesis uh, chapter 3 and I want you, I want us to read just a couple of verses because these filthy garments actually came from there. Now it says that in verse 1, Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And He said to the woman, Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you, shall, you eat of it, your eyes, just listen to this now, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, check this out, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate it. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves a covering, covering. They made themselves covering. They made themselves a covering. You see, you must understand, we're talking about rags or robes. rags. All robes, right? Here, we see that man was clothed with light. Man was clothed with righteousness. But somehow, when they fellowshiped with another voice, there's that other voice, they're fellowshipping with another voice and they fall into temptation, okay? You must understand this strategy of the enemy has been going on since day one. His tricks has not changed, ladies and gentlemen. The enemy comes, this accuser comes to find to find an accusation against you. He first tempts you. And when you fall into temptation, you give into his voice. Now he goes before God. He brings you before God. And he says, look, this is what they've done. Look at their garments. Do you understand? God is judicious in how cunning the enemy is. See, without if you and I don't have a tempter, do we fall into temptation? If you and I don't have an instigator for us to get angry, to be violent, will we get violent? If you and I don't have a voice that starts gossiping, will you and I sin with gossip? Think about what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen. If you and I did not have Uh, somebody sowing seeds into our mind to sin, to drink, to do this, to do that, to, to sleep around, to do all of these things. Where do these thoughts come from? They don't originate from man. They come from somewhere. Guess where? Your adversary. He is the one who sows those seeds into your mind. And when he sows those seeds into your mind, because you've allowed those seeds, you become a victim. And God does not look at you as a as a, as a person who willingly sinned, you're actually a victim of an adversary who has a plan to steal, kill and destroy you. It is so powerful for you to see how God in righteousness, He is so fair in the way He, he looks at us. A lot of times we look at the knowledge of good and evil in people's lives and, we, and even in our lives and we think that God judges us based on the knowledge of good and evil. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to present to you that God does not look at the knowledge of good and evil when He judges you. He looks at His standard of righteousness. He looks at His standard of, of, of justice when He judges you. He knows that Adam and Eve had somebody to tempt him, tempt them. Oh, come on. It's just powerful. He knew, He knew That there was another voice. That's why they did not physically die. But because they acted in obedience, they lost that connection with him. They chose to submit themselves to another voice. And when they chose to submit themselves to another voice, listen to me very carefully, he handed them over to it. And that's why they couldn't stay in the garden and eat of the tree of life and live in disobedience forever. They had to be cast out of the garden. But you see here, that when man ate of the tree, when woman and man, man together, they ate of the knowledge of good and evil. See, the enemy said, the the tempter said, hey, listen, if you eat of this, you will be like God, knowing Knowing is to experience, is to have first-hand knowledge. Is to to have an intimate and a very close relationship with the knowledge of good and evil. That's what he was presenting to them. If you do it, you don't have to depend on God. Oh, come on now. If you eat of this tree, my goodness, you don't have to depend on God for revelation. You can get it on your own. You can get all the wisdom you you need, all the knowledge you need. You you must understand where it came from. It came from this tempter who presented a concept to them that was false. It was based on a lie. And when they bought into it, ladies and gentlemen, their eyes did open. What eyes opened? That's when the ego man was born. The mind of Adam and Eve before that they were only talking to God and they had God's voice in their life. They were hearing God's will and they were creating and everything was fine up until they heard another voice and that voice opened the mind based on the knowledge of good and evil. The ego man came into the picture. And when the ego man came into the picture, guess what it first did? It looked at them naked and condemned them. Oh, come on. It looked at them. They looked at themselves and they realized they were naked And then the ego man led them now to go and stitch some fig leaves together and build a covering. What is a robe? A robe is a covering. What is your garment? It's a covering. So they worked for their covering. They worked. The ego man gets you to work for your righteousness. It's called self-righteousness. And self-righteousness, ladies and gentlemen, is filthy rags before God. But guess what? When you begin to work for your righteousness, God looks at it as filthy rags, but He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't throw you out. He knows how you got those filthy rags. See, the dress code of the ego man is filthy rags. But the dress code of the new creation that is in Christ Jesus is robes of righteousness. You and I today, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, He has robed us with righteousness. He has taken our iniquity away, He has taken our, our sin away, He has taken the, the very accusation of the enemy, He has taken it away. And He's given you in me His robe of righteousness. A robe of righteousness. You wear a robe of righteousness every single day. You go to sleep with your robe of righteousness. You take a shower with your robe of righteousness. You brush your teeth with the robe of righteousness. It never comes off. Why? Because it's robe of righteousness is an act of God's grace towards you. It's not because of your work, because if it was your work, it would be self-righteousness. It's the ego man's clothes. But ladies and gentlemen, God looked at us and He had mercy on us. He knew that if there was no tempter, we wouldn't be in this place. If your parents did not make that bad decision, this wouldn't be your future today. He knows He knows why you are here in this situation in your life. He fully knows it and He has compassion towards you. See, if God, if God wanted every single human being to not have choice, we would live in a perfect world. But see, God in our imperfections wants us to approach Him as we are. He doesn't want us to come with our filthy rags of self-righteousness. He doesn't want us to come and and act like we have righteousness because of our works. No, ladies and gentlemen. He wants us to approach Him just as the way we are. And He wants to undress those filthy rags on your life. He wants to uh, remove those accusations. He doesn't want you to defend. He, He will defend you. Every accusation, God rebukes the accuser. And He removes that accusation from your lives. And He clothes you with robes of righteousness. He clothes you. He doesn't give you rags anymore. He gives you His robe of righteousness. It is so beautiful. And we get an opportunity. We have such an awesome God who loves us so much that He doesn't consider the knowledge of good and evil. See, our accusers come to us. Our accusers go to God with the knowledge of good and evil. Oh, you know, this person did that, God. Oh, God, this person said this about me, Lord. God, uh, this person did that. God, are you looking at what the injustice that is happening in my life? God, are you seeing? Yeah, he sees everything. But he's also seeing your attitude towards this people. And when you go to God, cribbing and crying about what is happening and how unfair life is, guess what? He knows that you are considering the knowledge of good and evil. That is the bait the enemy wants to give you. And when you go to God in prayer, how unfair my life is. This is injustice that is happening to me. How can I lose my job? I was doing so well. But God, these people, they schemed a plan against me and now they kick me out of the company. Hello. You think he didn't know? Do you think he needs you to tell him? He is an all-knowing God. But I want to encourage you church, when you stand before God, don't think He doesn't know anything. He knows everything. Stand before Him, helpless. I can't even defend myself. I don't even have a voice before you. And I ask you to defend me, God. I ask you, only you have the power to cleanse me. Only you have the ability to forgive me of my sins. Yes, I made those mistakes. See, that's what repentance is. Repentance is changing the way you think about God. That's when he says, okay, now, since you trust me, since you know that I am a righteous judge, I will remove your iniquity from you and I will give you my robe of righteousness. See, Jesus has done this for us. Jesus stood in the place of Joshua, the high priest. Jesus is the high, great high priest. And he went before God with his own blood. He did not even defend himself. Let me tell you how Jesus is judicious. How Jesus judges circumstances and situations. And it happens in split seconds. You know, there was this moment in in the book of Matthew when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and they came to arrest Jesus. And when they came to arrest Jesus, you know, Judas kisses him on the cheek and then the servant comes to lay a hold of Jesus and Peter takes out a, a sword and strikes the servant and he cuts his ear off. Guess who Jesus rebukes? Wow. Very good one. <laughs> The one who acted according to the knowledge of good and evil. Wow. So good one. Yeah. <laughs> He didn't say, guys, listen, I'm God. Please, I'm God. You understand? You're come to arrest God right now. I'm the son of God. I can do all these things. He said, no, 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 listen. He rebukes Peter and says, what are you doing in my language? What are you doing, man? Don't you understand that I have to die? This is the will of the father. I've got to be murdered. I've got to be put on that cross. I've got to finish the work. Don't you understand? You're destroying the work by stepping out with the knowledge of good and evil. Every time we function according to the knowledge of good and evil. Ladies and gentlemen, the ego man is the Antichrist. Oh, I dropped something there right now. If you only read the book of Revelation, it begins to talk about the Antichrist. Is the beast, the number of the beast is the number of man. Man, man. 666 is the number of man. Not a demonic be- spirit, man. You, if you read one first book of John, he says the antichrist has gone out from us. They were part of us and they have gone out. Ladies and gentlemen, the antichrist is anyone who opposes Christ. Anyone who opposes the mind of Christ, anyone who opposes the work of Christ is anti-Christ. See, the knowledge of God is the will of God. God has a perfect will for your life. You should be giving counsel to your children saying, that is not God's will for your life to hurt yourself by putting your hand in a flame of fire. But rather we say, don't do it. It is not good for you you will get burnt. We communicate from first hand intimate knowledge, intimate experience of the knowledge of good and evil. And so now, we tell our children, don't become doctor, you become lawyer. Why? Because lawyer has more money than doctor. You have to do MBA. You have to study. Your studies are more important than church. Oh. And we we, we embed fear in our children. Don't leave the house. Don't go for life group. Don't go here. Don't do this. Don't do that. And your children are stuck at home in a bubble, not experiencing life. And now suddenly when it's time for them, you decide now who they should marry. Come on, that's another, another I, I think I'm going into some deep stuff now. You decide now that that man who lives in another country according to his qualifications, his MBA, he's earning so much salary, he's looking good, he's fair, he's doing all of this stuff. We go to shadi.com and we get all this stuff and we think this gift that God has given us, this daughter, this child that God has given us as a gift that she should go in the ways of the Lord, you're allowing her to be given to somebody you have no idea about. And we think that we're setting up our children for success, but we're actually setting them up to be fearful, to live in, in such dire circumstances. We're setting up our, the children to, uh, to not experience hearing God's voice for themselves. You should advise your children, if God wants you to study, ask God what you should do. Empower your children to make decisions. Empower your children from a young age to really not be afraid of the dark. Please, I, I wanna, I want, I want families to come out of the knowledge of good and evil, of raising your children according to the knowledge of good and evil, and really empowering your children to live according to the wisdom of God, the will of God for their life. It is so freeing for them to experience god's will over the knowledge of good and evil see we say don't do it don't do it don't do it but actually that don't do it is painting a bullseye on something that they shouldn't do and they go and that's the only thing they look at guess where we've seen that that's the first issue that happened that's where the ego man came into the picture we're actually grooming our children to have the ego man more than the mind of christ Come on now, this is a good word. This is a good word. I can see that this series is really transforming people's lives. And we see now that God wants to give you and me a garment, a robe of righteousness. But that robe of righteousness, Won't be put on you until you allow him to remove those filthy rags of self-righteousness. Those filthy rags of you think that you are holier. Oh my goodness. Don't think that you got your holiness because you read your Bible. And you did your worship time. Don't think you became holier just because of that. That you did communion three times a day. Hello. Hello. You are holy because He had mercy on you. We are given the opportunity to be grateful. We're given the opportunity to be grateful for such a merciful God who gives us His mind, who gives us His robe of righteousness. I want you now very quickly to go to Isaiah chapter 61, there's something beautiful I want to share with you right now. Isaiah 61, and we'll read, in the King James Version, we'll read two verses. This is Isaiah also is having now a prophetic word. He's, he's prophesying now about you and me. He's prophesying about the Lord and he's prophesying about you and me, right? And he says this, I will greatly rejoice... In the Lord. Where? In the Lord. Okay, remember, we have the mind of Christ and in the mind of Christ, we rejoice because we have the mind of Christ. My soul shall be joyful in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. This is your inner garments, not your outer garments. Your inner garments are garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments wow and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels see look the robe of righteousness is actually something of a it's a it's a statement that you make when you wear those good clothes people look at you and they say hey man this person has an eye for quality. This person loves quality. That's why they invested in good clothes. Right now, I'm really I'm communicating to our church to begin to invest in the clothes that you wear. Look good. It's very important. I'll tell you why. Verse 11 says this, For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Now you must understand. He's saying he's given us garments of salvation. Okay, he saved you. He's rescued you. Great. All of that stuff is done. Now after that, he gives you a robe of righteousness, a robe of justice. Like like for example, like I'm wearing this this jacket today. Okay, it looks it's a really good jacket. Okay. I love this jacket. It's really nice. I'm very proud of this jacket. I, I, there's a price that was paid for this jacket. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna treat it like a rag because there was a price that was paid for this jacket. Right? And he's covered me with a robe of righteousness. Every time I wear this robe, I am right. Not right as in my opinion is right. I am right before God. I'm right standing before God. I'm right, listen to this now. I'm right standing before all of creation. All of creation looks at you and me in the robe of righteousness and says that, oh, hold on a minute. Finally, a, a, a new creation, a human being that we are supposed to be submitted to now is in their rightful place. Oh, come on. Finance's money, which we thought was so evil, has now come into its rightful place Because you and I are wearing the robe that communicates something. All of creation is looking for you to wear your rightful robe. You know, when a judge in a court wears their robe and sits on that chair, hello, everybody stands up and gives them honor when they walk into the room. Why? It's because they are coming now the robe symbolizes that when they wear that robe, they're walking to a room to uphold the, the constitution of the law. When you wear your robe of righteousness and you are walking around, you're walking around your office, you're walking around your garden, you're walking around all in the mall, guess what all of creation is looking at? He's looking, they're looking at you going, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. This person can rightfully judge my case oh come on church this person walking around on the street can actually give a brick, can actually rescue me out of the prison the captivity that i'm in because they are carrying the mind of christ and they're carrying a robe they're wearing a robe of righteousness just remember that you and i are given the mind of christ okay We're given the robe. The robe is already there. It's a work of grace. It's fully given to you. You don't have to earn it. But just like a judge has to learn the law in order for it, in order for that judge to use the law to be judicious in the same way, God sows seeds into us. Seeds of righteousness and seeds of praise. Okay, so what is righteousness? Righteousness is justice and praise is what? is a response for God's acts in our life, God's works in our life. So you have God's works and you have God's justice. And these two things spring forth in your life like the bud springs forth in a garden, like a bud springs forth on the earth and the garden causes things that are sown to spring forth. There's a springing forth that is coming in the month of March because seeds that are sown in January and February in your life, there's a springing forth that is going to happen in the month of March for us. Ladies and gentlemen, are you a good ground? I believe that you are good ground. And here, listen to this. The Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. He's, there's a reason. He's given you garments of salvation. That's between you and him. You are saved. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Praise you, Jesus. I am in Christ. I'm seated in heavenly places. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Hallelujah. Nobody takes that away. It's a work of grace. But guess what? You have a job to do. You have a job to do. You've got something to get done on the earth. You're not just wasting time now. He's given you a robe. And when He gave you that robe now, when you're walking down the street, when you're walking in the mall, just sitting at a coffee shop, guess what? Righteousness is beginning to spring forth. Justice is beginning to spring forth. Praise is beginning to spring forth out of your life. Praise, why? The nations are going to, there's praise coming out of your life because of God's acts in your life. Why do we have testimony time? During our service, we have testimony time during our service because it is praise, it's a response to what God is doing in my life, in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason why all nations turn to you is because of the robe of righteousness and God's acts in your life. Because of the robe of righteousness and God's acts in your life. All the nations will turn to you because there's a springing forth taking place in your life. But it's not your character springing forth. It's the mind of Christ that is beginning to spring forth. Your robe is beginning to be revealed. Justice is beginning to be revealed. March is a month of justice. You will experience the justice of God in your life. Where you experience injustice, accusation. Guess what? The month of March, you're going to experience justice in your life. the, The voice of the accuser in the name of Jesus is being cast down. I saw Satan fall like lightning in the month of March. Come on, somebody. This is powerful. Powerful, powerful, powerful. God is looking for you and me to be as judicious as He is in heaven. And we must... Embrace that responsibility in our lives. To have a robe of righteousness means that all the nations look to you. They look to you for justice. When we look at a failing economy right now because of a virus, some of us cry out to God. But the ones who wear the robe of righteousness know what to do. We don't cry out to God, but we, we hear the cry of the economy as a cry for justice. And you and I are positioned in this nation and the nations around the world so that we can impute justice into the economy. You have to wake up to realizing that the problems in the world are not going to go away until the children of God do something about it. If you and I don't do anything about it, our children will rise up and they will say, my mom and dad didn't do anything, I'm going to do it. But if you and I today understand that we've got a robe of righteousness, we carry an authority of justice in our life. We carry an authority to impute justice. Guess what? When we deal with a problem, our children don't have to deal with it. when i deal with issues in my life my son doesn't deal have to deal with it my daughter doesn't have to deal with it if i if you and i rise up into understanding that we have an important task there are there are there are things that are out of order right now coronavirus seems to be the only thing that everybody talks about but ladies and gentlemen there's obesity that is a problem in the world today sickness Disease, problems in the world today. Issues with the blood, problems in the world today. Poverty is a problem in the world today. These are, these are deep-rooted issues that are so embedded into the DNA of society that you can't separate, you can't separate these things from society. But there is only one who does not deal with the problems of the world according to the knowledge of good and evil. But he deals with it according to the Father's will. See, you and I, we can deal with these problems because we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ knows the will of the Father. Jesus, in that moment in Gethsemane, stretched out his hand and he healed the servant's ear. Yeah. Why? Because that was the father's will for that servant. The father's will for that servant was for that man to arrest Jesus. Oh, come on now. Yeah. Wow. He it would, it would completely... I have a different view of Judas. God gave that man life so that he could do what he had to do. You and I have a great responsibility. I want you to go back to Zechariah now and we'll read verses 6 and 7. And it says this, And the angel of the Lord solemnly, solemnly assured Joshua, He said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, And keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts. Wow. Hold on a minute. God is talking to Joshua now, the high priest. He's talking to Jesus, the great high priest, and he's talking to you and me at the same time. And he's saying this if you will walk in my ways, and keep my commandments. Where have we heard that? That you shall rule my house. Wow! All the sons of the house right now are beginning. It's beginning to click in in their minds. Oh my goodness! I'm a son of the house, which means my father has given me responsibility in the house to rule in the house. It doesn't mean that the house you have taken over the house. The house still belongs to the father. But he's given you responsibility to rule on behalf of the Father. And he goes on to say, And have charge in my courts. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. This is a completely different teaching altogether. And I will do it one day when the Lord leads me to do it on these last two lines. But I want you to stay on verse 7. If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts. God, when Jesus paid the price for all mankind, he says, all authority has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now you go, which means the earth and the fullness thereof, the Bible says, belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to the devil, it belongs to the Lord. And so now God has placed His Spirit on the inside of you and me, given us His mind, given us His robe, given us garments of salvation, He's given everything to us and He's placed us now on the earth so that we can walk in His ways and we can keep His commandments on the earth. Why? Because all the nations are looking for the sons of God to step in their rightful place, and judge, be judicious, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion and authority over the earth, replenish the earth. The only way the earth gets replenished, ladies and gentlemen, is if you and I can be judicious in the way we judge. See, when you look at when you look at the story of the the prodigal son, he's not actually a prodigal son. Um, But he's actually the lost son. I would call that parable, the lost son. When you look at that parable, we see that, this is in Luke 15. Uh, We we see that the, the two sons, one of the two sons comes to the father and says, give me my inheritance. And so the father now gives him his inheritance. He actually gives it to both of them. He divided the inheritance between both the sons. One son takes his inheritance and goes away and squanders it the other one lives with the father, and but yet he keeps his inheritance. See, this part, nobody talks about. They talk about the older brother as being the one who serves the father. Yes, for sure, but he takes his inheritance as well. Stays with the father, the other one goes and wastes his inheritance. And one day, while he is in a foreign land, living not according to his right mind, but he's living according to the ego man, is... He's feeding pigs and eating their food. That's what the ego man does to you. It causes you to live below the standard. And so while he's sitting there, he thinks about, my God, my my father's servants have a better life than I have. And so now he says, I will go back to my father and I'll ask him for forgiveness. And I'll say, make me like one of your hired servants. And so as he gets up, he goes, and now the father who sees him a far away off runs to him and hugs him and he kisses him. He doesn't shout at him. He doesn't punish him. He doesn't put him in the corner. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't do the things that we do to our children. He doesn't, he doesn't give them time out. He doesn't take the phone away from them. He doesn't say, no, no friends for you. No social media, no Facebook, no Instagram. I'm, I'm going to punish you. I'm going to put you in the naughty corner. The things that we do to children, my goodness. He doesn't do that. He runs to the child, he hugs him and he kisses him on his neck and he welcomes him home. That's when the lost son begins to communicate from his right mind. While he was with the pigs, he, he, the Bible says that he comes to his right mind. He comes to. He was, he was a righteous son, he had robes of righteousness. He had authority. He had a purpose in his life. He was really doing well until one day he gave into another voice and that voice led him down the ego life that was about him, 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 him. And then while he's with the pigs, he comes into the right mind. How does he come into the right mind? Because it was by grace, ladies and gentlemen. And the father is listening to his son confess his sins He's listening to his son asking for forgiveness. Does not respond to him. In fact, he turns around and he says, Oi, bring my ring. Oh, come on. Bring my sandals for his feet. Bring my robe for him. And in all that dirt, all the stuff that he had, father cleans him. Puts a ring on his finger. It symbolizes the authority. He restores the authority back. He puts sandals on his feet. And he gives him a robe. And then he goes on to throw a party for his son. He throws a party. When you and I go to God in repentance. And we experience. When you and I make a mistake. And we go to God in repentance. We sit sorrowful for days. Like, oh my God, man, I made a mistake, man. Oh, shucks, I should not have done that, man. God, forgive me. (laughs) We ask him to forgive us because we go to him with the knowledge of good and evil. And that knowledge of good and evil has put a a garment over us. It has condemned us. It's, oh my God, I'm naked right now. Oh goodness, what have I done? And so now we go to God and for days and more, oh Lord, please forgive me, God. (laughs) And we don't hear God saying anything. I don't know if he's forgiven me. But see, God doesn't respond to that. He's judicious. He knows why you made your mistake. But the fact that you came back, the fact that you turned around and you went to Him, you repented, you turned back to Him, is enough reason for God to throw a party in heaven. Party in heaven, party on earth, party in the church, party all the time. God is a party he's a he's a he's a party by himself and every time somebody turns back to the mind of Christ get it mind of every time you turn back from an ego man to the mind of Christ guess what God throws a party for you it's a, it's a moment of celebration, ladies and gentlemen. The mind of Christ is the right place. It is right standing with God. It is you having your robe on. But guess what? Now, since you enjoyed the party, it's, you've got some work to do. And He wants you now to step into this place where you begin to rule and reign with Christ. You begin to rule and reign on earth as He rules and reigns in heaven. It is only Christ who can impute forgiveness to people because He has paid the price for you and me. See, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting Life. You must understand that Jesus is the high priest, the great high priest of his people to God. He represents his people to God and he represents God to his people. And the only way that you can have access to God the Father is through Jesus. Not through any idol, Not through any other religion, not through any other way. Jesus is the only way. And this is when you need to judge in righteousness. You must understand that when you have a case against somebody, somebody has done something wrong to you. They've hurt you. They've betrayed you. If you go to Jesus Asking Jesus to do something about them. He deals judiciously with them. Because the only way that Jesus deals with them is by paying the price for them. He imputes forgiveness to the one you have an accusation against. That is what love is. When you have a case against somebody and you go to Jesus with that case, he looks at the person and he releases forgiveness to that person. You and I can only be forgiven through Jesus because he paid the price for you, which means he reserves the right to forgive whomever he wants to forgive. And when you go to Jesus, Jesus judges people according to the whole truth and nothing but the truth. See, I'll give you an example. When we look at Sarah in the Bible, we look at Sarah in the book of Genesis and when God came to her, God came to Abraham and gave him a promise of a son, she laughed and God asked the question, why is Sarah laughing? But we look at it 2,000 years later. But the writer of Hebrews is talking about Sarah being a righteous woman. Why? It's because she judged God faithful. How can, when we read the book of Genesis, judge Sarah differently to how God is judging her in the New Testament? Let me give you another example. We look at Brother Lot. Who sinned a lot. He made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> we look at him in the book of Genesis with Abraham, deceiving, being jealous, selfish, going, taking his own, the best part of the land, going and living in Sodom and Gomorrah, which is like the worst place to live in, where the sin is the most highest. He chooses to live there. And then Peter talks about him as a righteous lot. Where did that come from? Unless Abraham, God was listening to Abraham before God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, before God rained down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah, he's having a conversation with somebody who is righteous. And that righteous person negotiates on behalf of Lot. And says, what if there's 10 righteous people, would you still spare them? And so that's why, because of Abraham judging Lot according to his righteousness. God saves Lot, even though he was guilty. Saves Lot and calls him righteous in the new covenant. Who decided that? Abraham did. You and I have the ability to save the people around us by being judicious according to the mind of Christ. We cannot judge a book by its cover. You don't look at the mistakes on a person's life on their robes and judge them say, oh, don't know about that person. No, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to see how God sees them. You've got to see with the eyes of righteousness. You've got to see from righteousness. You've got to see people. You've got to see the economy that we live in. You've got to see the world that we live in from the eyes of righteousness. And you've been given a robe to judge according to the mind of Christ. When you... Judge someone as righteous. Even though they are guilty, Christ imputes forgiveness over them. He says, Jesus says, If you forgive someone, I will forgive them. See, a lot of us have unforgiveness in our lives. Many of us have have things happen to us And we have a case against people but we don't impute forgiveness because we have lost sight of the robe that we wear. And we've lost sight of our responsibility to God and our responsibility to the nations. When bad things happen to people, when things When misfortune happens to you, you've got to step out and see how Christ sees the situation. See how God sees the situation. And you've got to use your words carefully. If you say the city that you live in is a righteous city, guess what? God will impute righteousness to the city that you live in. If the company, the boss that you work under If he has all the mistakes that he's making, that husband makes all the mistakes, the wife makes all the mistakes that they make, the kids make all the mistakes that they're making. If you can now prophesy as a judge, a judicious judicious judge who wears the robe of righteousness, not according to the knowledge of good and evil, but according to the mind of Christ. If you now begin to impute righteousness, forgiveness, Guess what? Heaven begins to follow the mind of Christ on the earth. So I want to bless you, church. I want to declare over you that you have the mind of Christ. You can do things that normal people cannot do. You can function from the mind of Christ. You can be judicious the way God is judicious. So today, church, I want you to use this moment right now to just close your eyes and ask God if you have lived according to the knowledge of good and evil and you've lived most of your life from the ego man. I want you to stand before God and just like Joshua the high priest, allow his word to just wash over you if there are accusers in your life that are accusing you of things, if you yourself, if your mind has been accusing you of things, allow the Lord to rebuke them. Present yourself before God as you are right now. And allow His love to just wash over you. Allow His great mercy to just wash over you. And remove your iniquity, remove your past, remove the the man, the, the ego man that was controlling your life. He's going to disempower him. He's going to remove his authority in your life. And God is going to give you garments of salvation. He's going to give you a robe of righteousness. He's going to put that ring over your finger. He's going to give you sandals on your feet once again. He's going to hold you close. He's going to kiss you and he's going to empower you. To be as his son is today. Church, I wanna encourage you to be different. Don't be like everybody else, be like Christ. In fact, I wanna encourage you to be Christ on the earth as Christ is in heaven. I wanna bless you. It's been an honor and a privilege for me to present Christ to you today. And I believe that as you allow God's Word to wash over you and restore you, your life will change. Your marriage will change. I want you to have hope for a better future. Have hope because the one who has begun this work in you will see it to completion. Cassie and I love you and we will see you next week. March is going to be an awesome month for us. I bless you in Jesus' name, Amen.